0: Hi there, and welcome. My name's Andrew Tischler, and I've been a professional artist for the last 14 years. In that time, I've worked out a couple of things when it comes to the business side of art. However, I quickly realized that I don't have it all figured out. After receiving many questions about the business side of being a creative professional through my YouTube channel or directly through email, I realized that there was some room to grow here. I decided that I'd borrow the wisdom from some other creative professionals working in the industry today and share with you some of their stories. I wanted to ask about how they make it as a creative professional and what really drives them. Hopefully we can all learn and be inspired by these stories, the failures and the triumphs from these dedicated individuals. Welcome to The Creative Endeavor. this week we have Cesar Santos. Now if you're not already familiar with Cesar it's hard to say that he's anything but a true master of his craft. This guy can really paint and I've been watching his work from afar for quite a long time. I must admit I'm quite inspired by what he's able to do and I love watching his YouTube videos. And if you haven't already checked out his YouTube channel, simply search Cesar Santos in that search bar on YouTube. I love his chats about art, the way he kind of breaks down his creative approach to his practice and shows you a little bit more depth to what it is to become an artist. We had a great chat here and we talked for a little over two hours and I was able to break this down into about an hour and 45 minutes and I'm going to bring this podcast to you in two parts. So without further ado, here's part one, Cesar Santos. I first heard about you, um, you know, a, a while ago, obviously, and I've been following you on Instagram. I've got to say right off the bat, I love what you're doing with your art, not just with what you have to say. But I was looking through your uh, portfolio and I was going, bloody hell, this guy can paint. I mean, not only has he got something to say, but he can paint. And I, I found myself almost, you know, and I get this feeling r- rarely, but this feeling of of intimidation. I'm almost ashamed to say that, <clears throat> just going, damn, this this guy has got it going on. And and when I was looking at, when I was looking at those portraits that you had, the combination uh, of of that kind of childlike, naive, crayon drawn. Uh, hand-drawn you know playful nature mixed with this almost hyper realistic I, I wouldn't call it photograph because photographic because it goes beyond a photograph but, no, but this, that series
1: a little photographic it's true like it, it's, yeah. uh, it's a little contrast like I have some classically oriented art but that series with the crayons I was making a little photographic so you're right
0: uh, it, it was stunning work, but I was, I was looking at you sketching. I was following you on Instagram. Something came up on my feed, and you're drawing this portrait. And I'm like, I recognize that guy. And suddenly I realized, oh, no, that's Jordan Peterson. Oh, and man. at that moment, while I'm going through my phone, I was taking a little break from painting, and I was listening to the audio book, 12 Rules for Life. I was thinking, isn't this weird that, like, you know, here's a couple of artists, you know, we're 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 both, you know, kind of listening to the same thing. Tell me a little bit about how you from across the world, from, from
1: very different places in the world.
0: Exactly right. I mean, look, we're both American, but I mean, I'm I'm now probably a naturalized Kiwi. Uh, been here for a little while now, but married one, so yeah, opposite side of the planet. And I just thought isn't this funny you know this is really cool so how do you how'd you come across let's let's talk a little bit about jordan peterson eh, because he's quite a polarizing figure i have no idea why but i'll just start off for anybody watching this or listening to this You've got, if you're an artist, you want to get into art, you want to learn a little bit more about yourself, what makes you tick, what are the driving factors behind human behavior, you've got to look at this guy's work. But, uh, Caesar, tell me a little bit about how you came across uh, Jordan Peterson's work and what it offers you as an artist.
1: Um, Well, it's interesting that you said that he's uh, polarizing and all that because I don't look at those aspects, you know. Mm. I love painting while listening to uh, audiobooks or debates. So I'm constantly just playing stuff there that I don't really search too much for. Sometimes they just autoplay after, you know, YouTube. And, And I came across an interview and he was talking and I really liked what he was saying. So then I searched more and then I just found his message so valuable for me because I love um, just thinking about the world and thinking about how can I improve my life and how can I be a better person. And that's what we are always should be striving for. And he's alive and he's giving these messages. So Hmm. I just kept studying him and I'm really thankful that he's alive and he's sharing his ideas. I mean, he's a professor that only people that have uh, the luxury or the privilege to be in that university will have access to his teachings. He just became famous, you know, two years ago or something like that. And uh, and that is because he says something problematic to the political, you know, field, whatever. And he came out of the classrooms. But I'm so thankful. Even his first book was very intellectual, very hard to to read for you know regular people so i'm glad that the situation the, that we're living in forced a person like him to come out and bring his strength um to anybody that can use it not only sp- uh, students in that classroom in that sense you know and uh, so yeah he's been my teacher in that sense and the the, the way i valued him is because he can he in a way, he's like an artist. Like he sees simple things and tries to see the importance that uh, how, how about in, let's say how story or anything can be related to the universe, and we are all part of that. So that's what really captivated me about his message. And so even now, I look at my paintings or other people' paintings, and I try to see beyond that image in a in a forceful way. Like I try to try to see really how does that uh, you know what's the potential in there why is that there so that's how i take him and that's why i love him
0: hmm. i i think i think it was really interesting and just to give a little background for people who are listening going well, well why was he suddenly thrust into the spotlight without getting too political about it because i know neither one of us want to go there just in case but um one of the oh you know sorry to interrupt you yeah please it you know
1: was funny I went to his um, Instagram page, and mm. I'm one of the people that he's following.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That's How cool is that's
1: that? <laughs> that's pretty cool. I'm like, what? Wait a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that That's fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, one of the things that kind of thrust him into the spotlight was this whole thing that's happening now with uh, political correctness and gender pronouns. But thank goodness for the conflict, thank goodness for the controversy, because it did thrust him out there for people to actually go, hang on, what is this guy saying? And I think, I think that's really interesting. And something that I found as well with the new, this new wave that's happening online, we, and it was actually something that Jordan Peterson said on a podcast with Joe Rogan. He said that this is the second printing press what we have with youtube and what we have with these new technologies and being able to share all of these ideas is a second printing press we have this explosion of ideas i I now think like with so many people out there that are emailing me and asking me these questions how do i be a, a better artist or you know should i go to art school for instance i'm thinking there has never been a better time to learn about art to throw yourself into that and be a professional artist there's never been a better time i mean we have so many things at our disposal you know, it, it might seem, you know, doom and gloom in the worst of times, but at the same time, it's the best of times. And it's really something to embrace. And I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping you'll be able to tell us a little bit more about your own story and how you find yourself online. But for me personally, on a, on a personal note, um, with YouTube... I I kind of started teaching several years ago, was doing one on one workshops and that sort of thing. And as soon as I went on YouTube, it just exploded like this, this amazing wave of of just people, strangers from around the planet, you know, that are getting in touch and and the following that that's building. And I think therein lies a real responsibility for myself. Um, But how have you found your YouTube channel? How has it kind of changed you, shaped you and, and made you focus more on your art if it has? Tell me a little bit more about your experience online.
1: Yeah, and 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 also, um, I, I'm going to tell you this about YouTube. That also, I mean, social media in general, but YouTube especially, because it, what's happening to us is the same thing that is happening with the Jordan Peterson case, mm. and that is that in art, um, the the um, the establishment has the establishment has uh, a grip on art. The museums, the schools, and the gallery system, the curators, they all had that. Um, very controlled and what is supposed to be good art and bad art and they had the definition and what happened is that mm-hmm. through youtube and through the free market we were able to keep doing what we were doing and those supposed modernists uh, changing art and, and their principles the foundations for hundreds of years of of art and suddenly they broke from like scratch and nobody outside of the art world um, realized what's happening because all they did was get detached. So it's funny that now recently is when when this big wave is coming. It's not only social media, it's not only YouTube, it's not only exposure. It's also a mentality that people are saying, oh, wait, there has been, there is good art out there, but they're just trying to not show it. They're trying to suppress it. Uh, They're trying to filter too much and and also i think that's what we are getting nowadays we're in this um, you know social i mean it's a very hard thing to describe i'm not a you know into literature i'm really hard with words like that like stuff but but the idea is that we are we are breaking away from that mafia minded thing that i went through because i I went through college four years, and I felt I couldn't become an artist unless I did what they wanted me to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. even though and- they were claiming for freedom and they were claiming for for be yourself, not really, because I wanted to be a classical or kind of like you know, I wanted oh, to offer man. beauty, and they didn't oh, like that. So I'm so glad that in the political world, the same comments are happening, so that people can reflect and see the art how we have been suppressed. Uh, for not sharing the ideas of that establishment in the art world
0: that that's so interesting to hear you say that because i i i I too came through that world getting a fine arts degree and I, i got my degree in western australia um and you know it was very early on i mean i i went through uh through 2001 to 2003 And I found that exactly 100%. These people seem to have a a real death grip on the definitions. And if you didn't match those definitions, then it wasn't considered art. And one of the things that I struggled with early on, and I couldn't put it into words at the time, but something just wasn't fitting for me and it didn't feel quite right. And that was, I'm going against the grain of who I am by stooping to this level and doing what they want me to do. And and furthermore, I, I felt and I, I felt so self conscious about this. Like, am I lacking the inte- am I missing something here? Am I lacking the intelligence? It's it's like somebody says a joke and and maybe you just don't understand it. So, what can you explain that to me? I I don't find it funny. It's a joke to me. Yeah, like, I just, am, it, yeah. am I an artist? What am I? <laughs> yeah, and, and then I, it dawned on me years later, and I wish it had happened to me while I was in that space, but years later I realized well, what they were trying to do is go for something that was original. They were trying to be different. They were trying to be groundbreaking, and then I suddenly realized, well, that just doesn't interest me. What interests me is what's important to me, and if that's tradition, if that's technique, if that's something that is re- reliant on a skill set, then that's okay then the, that out of that came this realization, and I'm sure many others have had this of it's not about originality, it's about authenticity it's about yeah. what you personally are bringing out of you and I was just before before we started this call Caesar, I was just watching this um this video that you had done actually just just brushing up a little bit on my uh on my santos and i was I was looking at this uh video that you had, and you were you were at the i think it was vlog number thirty not actually I'll tell you exactly what it was I'll pull it up here. <laughs>
1: The the one inside the museum
0: walking around? No, this is vlog number thirty seven, and you're at the LA Art Fair, um, mm, or at some yeah. contemporary thing. And you were talking about, um, you know, it, it's it it's about authenticity, and it's about bringing out what's inside. And and you said something where I I hope I'm not misquoting you here, something along the lines of. The most profound movements in art and the things that really stick and really matter are brought about by people who are authentic, who are bringing that voice out from it within. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about that and how that kind of relates to your work
1: yeah because actually um what you mentioned before about the classes forcing i mean telling people to be original Mm. i think that's a that's a miss that's what they're trying to say to catch the students but actually they don't want people to be original they're telling them to be to fit in this mold and they call that mold originality but the mold is very specific very well thought out for them to be able to market you however they want for their profit because individual artists that are coming out of those schools cannot make a living in the free market. I mean, I know many of these artists that go out and try to put their content in YouTube and nobody cares because nobody, because it's like a fake idea that only survives within that environment of the classroom. So the teacher will, uh, will select you, calling you original, and everybody has to buy it. Then he sells that originality to the curator, to the gallery owner, and then he sells it to the collector. So it's like a whole infrastructure that they have created so that they are the ones owning the art world, not the artists. And and so I would just wanted to correct that part because most people believe that that is called originality. And I think it's not at all. And it's what you were saying we, the people that are really looking within and saying, I want to do this. That is original.
0: Yeah.
1: And even if they don't accept it, you know? And so, so before I go into that, like, I just wanted to make that clear because that's something sure. that touched You know, touch me when
0: I will say uh, But Okay, but before we go on, actually, because this reminds me of something that was a little bit of fun. I've got a little bit of a brain that's uh, kind of open to conspiracies. Um, And I saw something that I really enjoyed, which was uh, that modern art was uh, originally a conspiracy brought about by the CIA to destabilize cultures. And as soon as I saw this talk, and it was a very convincing argument, I was like, wow, because for... For so many years, I was thinking, well, let, let's not attribute something to malevolence that can be explained with incompetence or, you know, just a, a bad idea. Um, I, I wonder how much of it, though. I mean, just to play devil's advocate, how much of it is a conscious decision to say, you know, let let's let's get a great big stick here and and stir stir the crap. You know, let's let's do something here that goes against the grain of society. One of the things that I find so interesting is how this idea has infected uh, modern day society and culture. For instance, you look at the public art space. You know, a lot of the public now look at art and they go, well, I know nothing about art. I, I don't understand it. Um, I, I have no idea what it's saying to me. And, and to me, that's such a crime. Because art should be for art. the people, for the masses, or at least it should be understandable. But what's happened yeah. is we've created this this really um, esoteric kind of circle jerk uh, of people that. Well, cool. just... let me
1: go right to you there. I wouldn't say understandable. I would say appreciate it.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. You want, you want somebody who's got no background in art to be able to receive some sort of message, you know, to yeah. just go, oh, yeah, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rather than go, we spent 1.5 million on a green cactus, and da- what is that thing? What is that thing? You know, my tax dollars went to that. No wonder yeah. they're upset. Yeah, and there is something about it that is valuable,
1: and that I would I think we cannot just say I'm against it completely. And that's why one of the reasons that I've been able to cro- come across and be part of the our world as it plays out today is because I do embrace whatever I see that is valuable. Mm. And I think, uh, for instance, the that detachment exists, but there is also television and that is an art form. It's a visual art form and it's talking to the people. So in a way to separate those two things, I think that it's always important to keep the art a little experimental, a little uncomfortable sometimes, or, or maybe talking about stuff that people have no idea, and then it happens after because you were honest. But it has to come from an honest point of view. But you always have to give a preference to the to the craziness, to the temperament, rather than the technique. Because otherwise, then the technique alone is television. There is no personality in it. There is no temperament. There is no risk-taking. And that is our our job to do. So if we become too... Uh, if we become, uh, if we define art too much as if it was in the past about beauty, about uh, telling stories that people understand, then it becomes close to television. And remember, the value of the artists that we value, Michelangelo, you name it, anybody, is because they change the technique to fit their temperament, their genius, their craziness. So in a way, that has gone too much to the point that then technique doesn't matter. Which is the thing that communicates to the viewer, and it's all craziness and temperament and attitude, and then that is also so detached. Totally so there is something about it that I think we need to value, so we can separate ourselves from the commercial world of television or visual arts or mm. you know everything else. So there is something experimental about it that we need to maintain.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, let's let's get into some real meat and potatoes here caesar i know Um, we haven't
1: even the first question you asked me
0: (laughs) this is good this is what it's all about mate this is what it's all about i mean you know when i originally started this thing i wanted to be a conversation and a a discussion um and an exchange of ideas Uh, that's what i find so fascinating hey we can so let's do it you know and and maybe people are going to be listening to this while they're painting and they'll get something out of the conversation and maybe resonate with with what we're saying um but uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about you know your career. And if you're happy talking about some details of of how you you know you you make money from your art, this is something that I find fascinating because I've never, well, since I was twenty one years old, I have not held down any employment making money from any place else other than my art. And when I look at the system, you know of of the way we educate children and how they go through a high school system and then into a university and they're channeled into this box-like career where they're constrained for a period of years and then finally finally at the end of their employment they're able to do something they enjoy i nice. always found that to be just really strange i it, never <laughs> computed because I, I was just like Why would you not spend your most able years, you know, doing something that you could be paid for that you really enjoy? And I think a lot of people genuinely feel that they don't have that option or that choice. And when you suggest to them, hey, look, you do have that option and that is a choice that is available to you, they get angry at you. They said, well, you don't understand how hard it is. You don't understand how bad I'm not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, easy for you. You were, you were blessed with, you know, this, that, and the other. Not, not, also not honoring the struggle that you went through as an artist. So I, I see you as somebody who's obviously extremely successful. You know, you I, I have no idea how much you're painting yourself or anything like that, but you're there doing what you do, and you've got an impressive yeah. body of work behind you, and you just seem to continue to churn out these videos. Are you employed anywhere else other than through your own art, or how do you how do you make it as an artist?
1: I never had any, yeah. I, I mean, I used to when I was in high school in the summers, I would get a job like regular job, but I never after graduating from art, I all I've done is making li- a living from my painting. So I'm super lucky, but I've worked hard, but we can get into that. Um, I'm glad that you touched on something interesting about the educational, you know, system, how it works and how it puts people together and how the, um, when we share this stuff and, and I wouldn't worry about the, the people that don't get it because there is so many people out there that, Mm. that there has to be a variety of type of people. Mm. And I think they might be there. There's always one or a few, that really gets it and sees the power. And that's our purpose, you know? And we cannot be just like saving everybody. It's just, I'm, I'm glad that we are doing this. So anybody with a little bit of the intuition of thinking how we thought, then they can take it to a higher level. And that for me is like enough, you know? And But the funny thing is that I came from Cuba. Well, my family brought me when I was 12, escaping communism and so my beginning was different i had to have money always in my mind because we were four in our family and only my father had a career he was a mechanic and my mom never had a career and my sister and i were young i was 12 she was five years older than me and uh, so we came here and my family said you got to study this is the way to do it we're in america for this reason we are sacrificing our are present in Cuba a little bit just to to for you to have a better future right Amazing. and that put yeah. a weight on me that I had to at the moment and they knew that I like art so they were concerned about me liking something that might not be profitable
0: Wow! and yeah. they
1: said we did all this risk for you and then you become a loser in society and that's the brand that artists have
0: yeah, so yeah, so,
1: so then I was always forced to think how to make money from my art. And let's say when I was in high school, I used to, um, by the time I was gradu- graduating, I went to the office and I said, since I went to a magnet school and it was only, you know, they were only accepting um, students that had tendencies for art, architecture, design. And I offered myself to tutor anybody who couldn't get into the into the school, but maybe wanted to fix their portfolio or maybe, you know, and then I said, I can go to their houses and tutor them. And I was lucky enough to get um, a wealthy family to, to hire, to pay me, to hire me so that I can train their kids to prepare a good portfolio so they can get accepted in that good school that I went to, that I went to, Dash. So um, since uh, to go into that neighborhood, they had a gate, it was a gated community. And uh, so I would get the pass, I would go in there, teach. And one day I said, since I can go in here, I'm going to get my cousin to help me, and I'm gonna come with my. And I used to drive my father's. It was on the weekend, so he wasn't working. So then I will get his truck, and I will go in the neighborhood, and on top of the pickup truck, I will paint some of the houses, and then I will knock on the door and ask them if they wanted to buy their painting of their houses.
0: And, That's a beautiful that idea.
1: You know, I was like 50 bucks, you know? And I would come home with more money than my dad sometimes. And he's like, what? That's crazy. You got 100 bucks, painted two houses. Sometimes they uh, they said no, and I just kept the painting. Uh, but the funny thing is that one day, there was a kid playing around outside. And in Cuba, every, everything is very wild. Everything is very... Um, open like kids are just playing around nobody's like controlling you like here that you're always inside or mm. protected and uh, so I didn't think about that I was 14 and with my cousin and we saw these kids playing outside and we put the truck and we painted and then after we said hey can you call your your parents or something I want to show them the paintings they run inside the house and nobody came out and we were just waiting and the police came So <laughs> So what happened was that they called the police on us because it was like suspicious. These people parked in front of a house asking for stuff, like but <laughs> so
0: then, uh,
1: we had to like raise our hands. Uh, they checked our stuff. They said, "Okay, go. You cannot do this in this neighborhood. What are you doing? Like get out." So that was wow. my last event.
0: <laughs> Damn, but, like, Caesar. <laughs>
1: So I'm just telling you that just for the, um, just to let you know that I always had in, in mind how to make money from my art and that my art was always attached to the people's response because I always realized that I don't I didn't wanna be a, a van Gogh or or a Picasso in the sense that I don't want to fall into my own crazy world that if I had one I don't wanna be involved into myself to the point that so that I wouldn't be a value to society Mm. around me
0: Mm -hmm. you know Mm.
1: and and one and so I always trusted the response from the people more than my initial intuition meaning if if I can become a better person I think it's better for to get science from the outside world than from my own limited capacity you know and yeah, so then I went to to Italy to study classical art, and that was the breaking point. Like as soon as I started um, seeing the world, the visual world in shapes, and I was able to control the tools to represent that, I said, "Wow, I have a tool that nobody has, at least in my school at that time." I was behind because we had computer stuff and a lot of graphic design, and I couldn't manage a computer. I was so I didn't even have a computer when the internet. I mean. I was so behind in technology and about internet and all that that um, that for me I was able to develop that the craftsmanship at the hand
0: you know that's that's fascinating yeah so
1: that's how it started you know so then after I came back from the Angel Academy I said okay so the normal thing to do is to develop a series of works that you really enjoy and that, and that's it presented to the galleries. So, the first time I went to the gallery, I felt the intimidating atmosphere. The look on, are you an artist? Yeah, get out of here. Type of thing, <laughs> you know? So, I'm like, so the moment I saw that, I'm like, man, I need to figure out a way to be able to talk to these people because I know they can make money from me. I had that feeling, I knew it. I was, I mean, people were coming to my house and offering me money for it. But I always thought that a third person selling your art would be better, not only because it's. Uh, will, um, it, for me it was more of a, a time-consuming thing, like I don't want to sell the paintings directly because then you have to deal with that and then ship it and then be responsible for all the transaction and I, all I wanted to do is paint, mm-hmm. so I said I need a third person and keep them happy, so I just try to see how I can talk to a gallery in a more, in a direct way, you know. Uh, get them outside of their pretentious bubble. Um, so that's how I was able to get into my first three galleries that after that then I was able uh, I got requests from galleries to work with me and then everything else got easier um, but before yeah it was tough.
0: That's, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a great, great story. Um, and, and again, I, I, I find it reflects a lot of, of my own experiences as well, you know, dealing with galleries and, um, but I've never had the cops called on me. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite cool. <laughs> we, were we were doing nothing wrong. So we were no, like, I know, okay. I know, but nothing. you could have been, you could have been anything. I don't know if you had this menacing beard and all these tattoos at the time, but maybe that wouldn't have I mean, gone down too well. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> Hey, look, I, 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 that, that's really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me as well about galleries, and I've, I've been very vocal in the past, especially online, and to the point where I'm like, ooh, should I have said that about galleries? Did I just shoot myself in the foot, um, you know, in terms of my opportunity to work with a gallery potentially in the future? At the moment, I, I did have a couple of galleries working, uh, you know, for me, and I'll say for me, because a lot of people don't actually understand um, from the outset. I mean, w- w- they go as an artist with their hat and hands, you know, and they, they, you know, they're very coy when they approach the gallery in the beginning. And they don't understand that what you're doing in that situation. Yes, the gallery has to accept the fact that they're working with you. It is a partnership, so to speak. But essentially, you're hiring them as your yeah. agent. So they're yeah. working for you as an agent for the sale of of your artwork. And when I realized that, it suddenly made me feel a little bit more in control, but it also made it that much more difficult because I suddenly had this idea of self-worth, of what I felt I was worth. And I find now that the commission, I mean, a lot of people ask me about what is commission rate? You know, what what do you pay? I can't believe they're charging 50% or 60%. I won't work with anybody for, you know, more than one third. I won't do it. I want to do it because I can't get past like my, my paintings are quite expensive. I mean, people can, I'm sure can find that uh, online, but you know, I, I can't get past the fact that I'd have to fork out that much uh, for one of my panties. I'm like, no, you want to work with me? It's one third. That's it. And so far I've only gotten one gallery and the rest of it like I'm I've got a waiting list like I'm I'm selling out of my work but and and a lot of my work now I'm keeping because I just I don't have to sell it but I find it very interesting so tell me a a little bit more about like how do you find that where where does the balance if you're comfortable answering that where does the balance fit for you like what what you know you don't have to mention the names of the galleries or anything. I'm sure people could find out. But I mean, tell us a little bit more about how that actual the mechanics behind that relationship.
1: Yeah, well, I agree with you that uh, the gallery you, the the gallery works for you, but it's we it's it depends on the situation. For instance, when I graduated from from the Angel Academy, I had nothing. I had I mean I had my talent and my paintings, but I had nothing to you know, exploit that and mm. make it, you know? So, so I thought at that time I went to my first gallery and I actually offered, I let the guy abuse the situation, you know, because I knew at that time that he, I, I he was working for me because he has built a business for so many years. People trust him. So in a way he has become an artist of his own, like an artist of selling an artist of marketing. And I had none of that. So I said, I need, he needs, you know, I want to do this and he has the power to tell me what to do. So I, I knew that I couldn't say you work for me. Because actually, you can yeah. say no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it depends on the moment and the situation yeah. and what you want to do. So
0: I yeah. wouldn't say black white, but yes, um, I mean I understand. Uh, no, and I get that, it. I get it. I have a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're a rebel. So
1: <laughs> I am sometimes, but yeah. For 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 the business thing, uh, maybe I I knew that by myself. My art will be even less. So fifty percent with him included you know, um, it will be more than 100% of my prices and my ability to reach to, to collectors.
0: And, and again, I'll just say that this is really fascinating. There, there, is a, there is a real, I must admit, there is a real selfish component to this podcast because I am really, you know, connecting with other artists and borrowing their wisdom and through hearing their stories, I'm finding that it's changing my own point of view like and and i I, at least i recognized from the beginning hey i don't have this all figured out let's borrow the wisdom of others none of us do we're all works in progress but in anybody who comes across and i won't mention names but there's there is one artist that i can think of more than anybody else who has come across as if they had their their you know s-h-i-t together totally i know more than one (laughs) yeah 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 but like that I've met face to face, I'm like, whoa, it's just you walk in and it just hits you like just like a brick wall. You're like, whoa, man, like you, there's nothing there. You can't you can't explore. You can't share. You can't learn. You can't grow. You can't yeah. grow like like the the wise, uh, the wise old. Um, oh, what's the name of those characters in Avatar? She said, you can't fill a cup that's already full. It's cliche. But, you know, the the wise yeah, old. You know, yeah, you can't you can't you can't fill a cup that's already full. Um but uh, I so I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm finding that that personally this is really helping shape me and kind of making me realize that there are things that I I could be doing better, absolutely, and could be working on more. Um but we were talking specifically about galleries and the relationship with galleries and, and what they have to offer um in terms of a service. And and I love what you said there. You were you were talking about, hey, I might be an artist, but the agent for the sale is an artist in their own right. They're an artist in selling and they'll give me access to, you know, what they have to offer. So uh, tell us, we'll, we'll go from there. We'll, we'll talk a little yeah, bit more they, about they that. They
1: will talk about my art better than my family. You know, they will talk about me, you know, with a great passion because they want to make the sale and they want to show people the value that I offer that maybe even the artists cannot even trust me. Or project or for any reason so I understood the the power of having a third person that really know what he's doing mm. about you know uh, with his side I mean the moment the, the gallery starts telling you like artistically guiding you that's what I draw the line and I would never accept that because I said no no I we are working together so you put your part and I put my part the moment you don't like what I'm doing <laughs> we're not working like that's the best compliment you can tell me if you don't like my art because I mean a gallerys Mm. because of that so so I saw at the beginning I started very humble because I had no options I was in yeah. an apartment with my parents and I said let me have a room so that I can create seven paintings to show to a gallery so they see that I have a constant body of work and that I'm you know the, you know I can offer that and uh, and it immediately worked I started working with one of the best galleries so my first year after school I was already exhibiting in art fairs and among other famous artists in the same wall. And for me, I was so excited. And I thought I wanted to belong in that environment.
0: Mm.
1: And so I try to behave as less, you know, as less troublemaker as possible with the gallery so that they would put me more and, and do more stuff. And I, So I let them have bigger, I offer them a bigger percentage than the other artists just because I knew that by them knowing it, not anybody else would know it, but by them knowing it, they would give me more, uh, exposure because they want to get a bigger profit and they will have to pay it. So, so I thought that for me, that was the biggest, um, you know, strategy at that time to be able to make it, I said to live, you know, as long as it wasn't damaging, I knew how fast I was able to make a painting. I knew how much money it would be fair for me to receive. And that was my standard. And everything else after that, if they want to get more, good, because the moment I left the gallery, the prices for my paintings were the ones that he was selling it for, not my percentage. So immediately, I immediately started getting more, uh, way more money for every painting I sold after that. And so <clears throat> it depends on the stage. I realized that I was beginning and I realized also that a lot of artists at the academy had their ego too high and they were expecting all these prices and doing all this stuff at the same time acting humble by look by saying that they're artists and they're sensitive I'm like you're kind of greedy in a way because you're trying to you're you're talking crap about the people that are abusing you, and you to, you're trying to abuse people too you know so then um, so yeah I, I thought of it as a practical thing of survival and uh, and I took it from maybe from my father being a mechanic and, and or the situation that I had that I need to move out and have my own life and I always thought that if I do what I love and I get paid enough to keep doing it, that is success, because success is for me the freedom to do to do work that you're proud of. And, and that you know, that was pretty much as simple as I took it.
0: Yeah, that, that's uh, on that note, uh, there's uh, there was something that um, I, I've been struggling with for a while and, and, and wanting to know the answer to for a while. And this is what caused me to throw myself into personal development. But you you just touched on something there because I was like, well, I want to be a successful artist. But then I was asking myself, well, what does that mean? And I realized if you don't define success, if you don't define what the goal looks like, you're never going to get there. You have to actually, yeah, you have to have some tangible feasible, realistic, but at the same time, ambitious enough goal that pulls you out of yourself to make you go beyond yourself and strive to achieve. And that when you get it, it just feels like, you know, amazing. Um, And... it's that's something that I, I, I see in other people, and, it, and it, a little little flash goes off for me. I'm like, wow, there's somebody who actually gets it, who's really doing it, and I very you know find that very very inspiring. But you're obviously somebody you know who's familiar with the work of Napoleon Hill, and we've talked about Jordan Peterson. But is goal setting something that's uh, important to you, and writing down where you want your life to go, what you want your successful artistic career to look like, and putting that into a framework? Is that, is that something that's important to you?
1: Yes very important that's all that's why um, I mean and the power of Jordan Peterson is uh, the the term fix your room is what is success Like, if you want right. to know what su- if you want to be successful just fix your room fix okay. your surroundings make hang on sure a second
0: that- H- hang, one, I'm just gonna check that I need to crop this image All right don't judge me by the mess of this room I don't know you can see a little bit of mess right here that's uh, okay I'll like, take care of it.
1: I like it. I I think it's nice. And you have a cool object on one side and a cool object on the other one. It's pretty balanced. The books are in the middle. I think it's pretty
0: good. I'm in my office at the moment and I, I share my office with my wife and I'm by no means throwing her under the bus or saying she's messy. She's not. She cleans up after me all the time. But that one thing, you know, where Jordan Peterson is like clean your room. Don't try and change the world. Work on you first and clean your damn room. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if we were to walk through that
1: as being successful from the beginning, like, yeah, there's no place to be successful at. You have to be it in the moment. And Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. would just keep going and growing because you keep looking for things that you can fix, simple things and fix it first. And then you find other things. It's like making a painting. If you start painting and you see that something is wrong. You just don't ignore it and work on another area because until you fix what you see clearly as wrong is when you see other things being wrong. And then that is what makes your painting become better. It's because you keep fixing all this stuff that are access, you know, that you can do instead of uh, from the beginning saying, I need to do a Rembrandt. uh, I need to do a masterpiece right now. No, you go step by step and in your life, too. So I, I relate my art to my life completely.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing, mate. So, what, give us an example of some of the goals though that you have that you write down. What are some goals that are that you're trying to achieve right now? Where are you going with your career?
1: Well, there is uh, different types of goals that I constantly have in mind, and there is one that is um, the goal of finding an expression that is legitimately le- le- legitimate to my situation. I need to, uh, that is my ultimate goal because I see it in people, I see it in some artists and I'm like, man, they hit that note and that's so tough. So um, we're distracted with everyday you know, happenings and life and stuff and it's tough to really get your technique and your being connected and, and that is my, my long-term goal and, I, and as long as I have that, any small decision... Uh, that will affect that, I say no to it. So for instance, if they say, if I, well, I mean, and yeah, and smaller, just to, you know, to make it clear, then I have shorter terms, which is let me experiment with what I have developed. So since that was my bigger goal, then I do a series of works uh, aiming at that and to test it. I, I try to make it, ex- I exhibit it, I put it out there in an environment that I respect to be, to, to and see what people respond to it, to see if I am expressing myself uh, in the, with the right universal notes and uh, that touches people. Because I think the only reason that we can influence others when we are honest is because everybody has something that every, everybody else has. And if you touch on that personally, people across the world are going to say, I recognize it. I want some of that. Um, so then uh, so then that, that's what I do. I, I And then to create a body of work, then I need to get up and make each painting. So then I break it down to the point that if I get up and someone calls me and say, listen, we're here. There is a discount, a thrift store, I mean, a antique shop, whatever, come check it out. I always say, is that part of my goal for today to achieve what I want? No, I say no. Like that—that's For me, it's decision-making all day and just focusing as much as I can. There, I mean, if you get a flat tire, you better fix your car, you know? like That's yeah. part of, the, that's part yeah. of life. But, but in general, I try to keep myself disciplined, working towards that bigger goal.
0: You know, because I, I recognize when I'm on track and when I'm not on track, when I'm painting for myself and I'm painting for somebody else. And ironically, one of the things that I found with YouTube and putting my work online and sharing the whole process and just like literally just taking the shackles off and just say, you want to know how I do it? Here's how I do it. I'm not, not saying it's the right way. That's just how I do it. The interesting part has been it's freed me up to start focusing more on the painting and not so much as the outcome as a result of painting this picture say, hey, when I paint this, I'm going to sell it and this is how much I'm going to get. I find that that was one of the worst things for me artistically, is that yeah. I was never able to actually throw myself into, you know, the, the work. And it's not about the paycheck. I mean, yes, it's important. We got we to be sensible about that. But once you've kind of made your decisions there and set your goals there, turn it away and forget about it. Just focus on the work. The rest will take care of itself. I, I didn't learn that until much later, you know. Sorry. No, yeah.
1: No, yeah, I I agree with that, and I would I would suggest because what I do is that um, the selling of the piece and the paycheck it's, uh, it's it cannot be part of the of the dialogue of your dialogue, but but what they represent is so valuable. Meaning, if you do work and nobody buys it, right, or nobody likes it, that tell us more, tell us something about you and you take it from there. Like either you want to be someone that nobody likes or, but the funny, the important thing is that you need to, that's why it's hard to find the truth within you because if you're confident, I'm sure that Van Gogh had that vision and he said, I'm not selling, but these people are, everybody's dumb and I impose my honesty. I impose my vision and that is so valuable. Yeah. But if you if you do that and also make sales, that's even better. That means that you're in in you, you are you hit that note with your surrounding. So there is a sensitive thing between painting to sell, and 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 not and not being attached to your own soul in, in you know in in essence or doing something that you really are connected to and then if he sells that means that they are getting it so keep doing what you're doing because it's working for society like people are enjoying your work so i wouldn't you know what i'm saying like there is a fine line in every aspect of the of the creation and the selling of it Uh, for me for instance i test i test stuff because i don't know who Nobody knows who they are, really. Like I don't, I don't really know who I am exactly. And to to be able to find that out, I just have to look at who I was, who I was in the past. What what I I know exactly what I've been through, and I try to put that together in my art. So for, let's say, for instance, my series Syncretism came out of me saying, okay, I love copying artists. I love that. That's being honest. Um, I love the idea of of um, of provoking, of and I love the idea of be, of expressing contemporary art and classical art because I study both worlds and I see the value in them. And I also like the idea of doing something, um, of doing something that that is so simple that nobody else has seen it. But as soon as they see it, they say, "Oh my god, why didn't I think of that? That's so dumb. That's so simple." And and that I, that's. That's what I see in master works. That's what I see in, in painters that have hit that note. It's like, it looks simple, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, brand new. Mm. Uh, so, so that is the fight within me in developing what I do. So, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I had a mistake that, um, well, not a mistake, that's part of life. But um, when I was doing syncretism, for me, it was tough to get it into the contemporary art world. I was accepted by Eleanor Ebsinger and they had in New York uh, a great variety of artists, but they all were trained, you know, academic, you know, academically. And, and I was the, and I, that was my option at that time, but I always wanted to be part of the bigger art world. And they were not liking those paintings because uh, of whatever reason. So instead of me saying, okay, um, do I really want to, like I look at myself and I say, okay, what is my situation? I'm doing all this stuff for a certain. Um, I'm gonna say, oh, God, it's so strange. And actually, Jordan Peterson always uh, said that you shouldn't even know what you're up to because that's what art is. Art is beyond what you can control, yeah. and that is what makes it timeless and people yeah. and you know, all, people following all the time because. The, even the artists didn't have control of it.
0: So, I want to come back to that idea because I love that idea. I, I do want to come back. So we'll just flag that. We'll come back and talk about that. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, um, so pretty much my I've changed series from syncretism to that that you mentioned before with the crayons. And I was looking for a way to combine what I love with what I see that is being appreciated from me. I don't know if that's if that's uh, understandable. I mean
0: it's... well, maybe we can unpack that a little bit because, you know, when I look at those those works, you know, syncretism and then the the newer works, you know, with that childlike aspect, I mean, there's obviously a jump. i I, I like how those. You, you can see where the newer works kind of start to come out, you know, as wow. you've explored this idea, you've followed through. I'm not sure if, you know, and I, by the way, I only know about this work from looking through your website extensively. But um, you can see that the idea kind of reached its natural conclusion and then this other idea was born. And you, But you can see there's a little bit of cross-fertilization of the idea there. One of the things, though, that I find really fascinating and, and it's something that I've been playing with quite a bit recently is that the things that happen to us, you know, as children, you know, our childhood and what we went through, I'm finding that those markers, those experiences or peak experiences, as somebody like Tony Robbins would say, you know, it's a peak experience. It sticks out in your mind. It's, it's the first time you saw the Grand Canyon. It's your first kiss. It's your, your first exhibition. You know, these peak experiences of where you're just like man i will never forget that um those are things that kind of come through uh, and and a lot of the peak experiences that we have throughout our life are as we're children is that something because when i look at those works that's what i'm reading into it now my interpretation of your work is obviously going to be very different than your interpretation but that was something that i appreciated about it so much it's like this childlike nature to 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 ourselves is always there and you've got these both worlds operating in the same time, the same space simultaneously. And when I looked at it, I I honestly said, I mean, this is some of the freshest portraiture I've ever seen. Like, and I'm saying that, I'm not just blowing smoke here, mate, because I was looking at it going, damn, that is a good, not only is it a good idea, it looks good, and it's really triggering something in me. And, And for me, you know, just talking in terms of what I think makes really important art, um, art that speaks to you on an emotional level it's it's exceptionally well executed it shows immense skill and it it has it has something to say you know it's got an enormous emotional content you know it's um it, it can't just be hey that's really well done we're seeing so much stuff on instagram now that are great painters it's all photographic, it looks fantastic but i don't know if i can see another enormous headed portrait with somebody with honey dripping down their face or plaster or something like i see the same paintings over and over again i thought oh there's that guy again Oh no! Wait, it's somebody else. You know, I'm, there's something about your work when I looked at it, I was like, original, because I think you were uh, being authentic in that moment, right?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for that. Uh, but uh, you know, for that series, and I don't want to get into too much because I want to add value to people that are working on their series, and maybe we. I mean, of course, they can refer to these comments and see how they can apply it. But but for that series with the kids, I did a portrait of my mom and my dad. Mm. Just without the crayons, and I never was the kid that did those scribbles. I never drew that badly as a kid in the sense. I mean, I'm not not that so up, but there there are kids that that know how to draw a little bit, and the moment they start drawing, they start doing something realistic, or they go beyond the stick figures yeah, uh, yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. So I never drew like that as a kid, and mm. I wanted to. And, I, and the moment I saw the portrait of my parents and the idea they had about art and stuff at the beginning. I started playing around. I got the crayon and I said, I'm gonna just vandalize my parents with with this, with this, me being the son. Uh, uh, just playing around and and adding stuff to them that I think it would add to their story. So my father was a welder and I had the son and all these things. And, and then my mom was in the laundry and I did all this. So it was more like a playful attack on things. So then I saw the other portraits that I was creating and I said, Oh, my God, I'm just going to go vandalize all this stuff. So it came up up from that um, first thing of saying, I want to combine the worst expression visually by human, the stick figures with with crayons, combine it with the highest way that I can paint and put it together. Kind of like in a syncretism idea, Mm. but more personal. Mm. And uh, so I did that for a while. But then after a while, that got... Boring again. So then I'm like, okay, next to the, you know, next to finding out more,
0: you know. So you you've actually got a have you got a show coming up? Did I see something on Instagram where you've got an exhibition that you're working towards in New York? Is that right? That's gonna be in LA. In Uh, LA, sorry.
1: No, I was. The funny thing is that I'm supposed to have a solo show in April in LA and in May in New York, but I have. No paintings. I need to make them, so I probably postpone the one in New York for now. Okay. But yeah, I'll have a show in in LA, and uh, it's gonna be with my syncretism. I'm gonna I'm thinking about calling it syncretism, and uh, and now when I I went to see the space and the gallery, the space is so beautiful. Uh, that I said I need to do some bigger paintings. I wanted like it felt like I wanted it to do it. Like the moment Excellent. I saw the wall, I'm like I can't believe it. I can do it. So then one of the pieces behind me is uh, is for that for that series. So I think those people that you were mentioning that had a formula and they created it and it's uh, maybe they it sell or whatever. That's fine for whoever wants to do that. But in a sense, mm. I suggest that artists and you know like you we are always looking for things like you cannot be in a comfortable way that even if you find something that works i i play with it and Mm -hmm. and see how i can break it and and make it more my own because i'm changing constantly why not my art Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so that's what keeps me motivated to paint and
0: Mm. and create one of the things that's really becoming you know we 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 touched on something earlier and I, i i want to go back to it because it was something that um you know as you were saying jordan peterson was talking about that your motivations for creation shouldn't even be known to you or something along those lines where this is not something that's conscious but more something that's felt something that that just kind of just happens you know um and those spontaneous creations are often you know i find within my own uh, practice there are some of the best you know works that just come out it's just this idea and it's more you're talking about a feeling rather than Okay, a tree goes on the left, and put the river here, and that that feels balanced kind of thing. and 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 having this formulaic way of going. But that that lightning bolt of inspiration, rather, that's the thing that that we should be paying attention to. And I've found that recently that that's something that I've been really trying to focus on, um, because I have this idea, by no means original, but uh, this idea that ideas and thoughts are not necessarily your own. Where do they come from? Do you know? I know what knows? you know how, how do we know? And to me, I look at it and just from my own personal kind of spiritual bent towards things, i I see them as almost a gift from God in a way, where this this thing is being given to you. It's not something that has you have any ownership of, but it's something you have to look after. I hope this is kind of making sense. i am still kind of unpacking that idea for myself. um but i I find that if I'm to give a real tangible example, I get those feelings when I'm out in the field, for instance, like climbing a mountain, you know, which I'm, I do, or you know, walking through the forest. We got an amazing forest near us, where I'm like, the way the light's shining in this moment, like the 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 sound, the 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 way that streams are looking, that, and it's beyond just a painting. It's a feeling. And it's just like, you have to do that. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of recognition. I also get it with people you know my 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 most successful portraits are the portraits of the people that did not ask to be painted and that that is that's is something i i mean i i do commissions for portraits but i i do must admit i struggle with them a lot more than the ones where i just see somebody i'm like wait i got to paint you i, I yeah. and i I, think I get the weirdest responses they're like some kind of freak you know not, no here's my website this is what i do you know i, I got to paint you you just look amazing you know Um, and so it's it's something that i'm starting to pay a lot more attention to now um that might be a little off topic but i just wanted to go back to that because i was like again you know i i feel like you and me are kind of on the same wavelength in a lot of ways but i am i'm picking up a lot of what you're saying and i you i I might say back to what we were talking about earlier i think you're causing me to reevaluate my career and my um my my direction here a little bit i I really love your approach to things
1: That'd be fun. You always have to, yeah, everybody has to go do that. And that's part of of my attitude. It's like always testing stuff. Okay. But I think I would suggest to any of the listeners that they want to create art that it has more power. Mm. First, analyze where you learn the technique. Because the technique is the medium between you and the people. Mm -hmm. And and that technique was not developed uniquely by you, even if people call themselves self-taught. Um, because there's no such thing, you know? Um, so, so, so once you have the technique, you have to know who taught it to you, who gave it to you and how did they influence their technique that they showed you for you to, to mirror that, or you're representing stuff as the school taught you many, many times. I see that. And, and first, as soon as you realize that, you are free because then you know the tools and you know that you've been doing that because that's what they taught you. Like my first series after graduating from, from the Academy was still lives because the last thing we did to graduate was for still lives. So then I came up and I changed it up and I made it unique, but they were still, uh, still lives. And, and then I, as soon as I realized that I was influenced by the Academy, I said, wait, 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 let me see what I do. So the, the, my, my suggestion would be to see that and also see yourself because you came from a different angle and then you met the academy, you met the technique, and then you developed from there. But if you keep looking at who you were, you can add it to the technique that you developed with the art, the, with the school, and that will get something new out there because I see so many creative people going to the academies and losing what they had before. They said, oh, my school before was stupid, it was all theory, I didn't like that, and then you block that completely because you like this other school better, and then you do whatever this school, instead of saying, okay, what did I like ballet? Did I like dancing? Do I like walking? Why don't you paint people's footsteps on rocks? And walking down, like, it's a weird thing. Like, you have to always constantly look at who you are, who what you like, what you know. And because that's you. And the moment you combine that with a good technique, that is, a, and I'm talking about good technique, not even in the sense of, hey, it has to match Bouguereau's paintings or classical period or something. I mean, good technique for for your expression, for what you want to say, for the subject matter that you have been developing in your life. And for instance, I have an example that is very clear. And even that's why I share my technique with people, because I know that nobody can steal it. Um, nobody can get it the way I'm presenting it. I want people to learn how to paint so they can paint themselves. And if they try copying me, it's going to be bad because I am I be- I better I know myself better than they know me. So they're not going to even be able to copy my ideas, you know? Yeah, so that's yeah. what I believe in what you're doing to share. And a lot of people tell me, don't share stuff because that's your value. I'm like, no, my value is the unteachable, the uncontrollable thing, you know? Mm. Um, so for instance, when I was in college in the contemporary art training, um, I saw a guy, I insisted in doing portraits. I was mocked by everybody. People were telling me what the hell I was doing, whatever. But there was one, one guy, uh, one teacher uh, in another college because I was in, at the new world school of the arts and it was part, um, this, the, the building was part of the Miami Dade Community College. So this teacher from the community college saw my art and he saw my sketchbooks at that time. I had sketchbooks always. and uh, And he said, I see your sketchbooks are way more artistic, more powerful than your paintings on canvas. Why don't you do this on your canvases? And I'm like, and then he showed me for the first time Steven Assel and Nedroom and they said how they were connected and all this stuff and I'm like, okay, whatever. And just recently when I was at the at the gallery that I saw the space and I had my show in mind, I thought to myself, I'm going to do a big painting and I'm going to, since I'm always looking for syncretic ideas, mixing opposite schools, opposite thoughts. That's my intuition. That's who I am. I love playing around and poking. So I'm going to get my sketchbook idea, my pages, and I'm going to make them humongous. So I'm going to do the opposite of what they are. So I got my biggest canvas and I made a head study of something I really like, really classical. I'm not looking for the modern, for the contemporary taste of making people straight on like I was doing with the crayons. That was more of a contemporary um, inclination because I wanted to see if I... Could do that, uh, that straight on, head first, hyper realistic. This time I said, no, I'm gonna have the same fun I have in my pages, but with a big canvas. And and I've only done two pieces. I'm actually giving away my my uh, my new my new um, uh, series before developing it, but it doesn't matter because it's all about that. So so now I'm thinking about working with that idea, and I'm like, oh my god, it took me from college <laughs> in 2002. To hear, to understand what that teacher said one day, like that's incredible, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, that concludes part one of my conversation with Cesar Santos. Make sure you check out part two, where we keep talking about art and life. It's been fascinating catching up with Cesar and meeting him. He certainly has a lot to say about art, and I've really enjoyed him sharing his wisdom with me. I hope that you've gained something from this conversation. And I look forward to bringing you more podcasts very soon from various other creative professionals from around the planet. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please feel free to leave it a review wherever you happen to be listening to this. And you can find more information about me on my website at www.andrewtischler.com. Thanks so much for stopping by. I'll see you again next time.